Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now, what the hell day is it? It is, well, the day I'm posting this is going to be the ninth day of September 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Los Angeles Dodgers center fielder, Jock Peterson. Um, hey, I, I want to bring a few things up. I'm going to jump around a little bit today. And that song, Jump Around, well, that is going to be the theme of the day. We have instant replay, okay? We have it. And we have access to it. Now, I think the addition of instant replay is a good thing for baseball. The more good calls we have, the better it is for baseball. You, as I've stated before, and, and, and I don't really understand anyone who has an argument against instant replay as a concept, a baseball game is the sum total of all the events that happen in a, in a, in a game. One event leads directly to another event leads directly to another event. And how a game unfolds is the human element of the game. You catch a fly ball, you drop a fly ball. You swing and miss, you, you take strike three, you swing at ball four, you throw a hanging breaking ball, you make mistakes, you do things wrong, you do things right, and that's how a game unfolds. Not the human element of an umpire blew a call, and now we have to go on pretending that something that didn't happen happened. I want the equation of a game to be as accurate as possible. If you throw a strike and you call it a ball, to me, I see no joy in that. Why did you call that a ball? It was a strike. There was a play in the game that happened on Thursday afternoon between Houston and Cleveland that brings this topic to the forefront. There was a, a Cleveland batter was up, the Astros pitcher threw the ball, and the Cleveland batter fouled it off. And the ball kind of ricocheted after the foul ball. Now the umpire acted as if it was a wild pitch. And the runner at third came in to score, and then the runner at second came in to score because the catcher was like, what the hell are you talking about? It was, it was a, uh, he, he fouled it off. Now, there should have been a little effort to get the ball in. So, hey, all right, all right, all right, hold on. Okay, I have the ball now. Okay, the play is dead. What the hell just happened there? But it shouldn't matter. It was a foul ball. And looking at a grand total of one instant replay, that took less than 10 seconds to take a peek at, he's like, oh, yeah, he fouled it off. And I don't fault the umpire. He didn't see it. He didn't see it. He made a mistake. I made a mistake. 
you made a mistake, we all make mistakes. It's like, oh, corrected that mistake, and oh, the runners go back, it was a foul ball, my bad, didn't see it. End of story. Instead, we had to have a new reality where two runs come in to score. Now, the thing that I want to bring up that I find cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs about this whole situation is this. As the umpires were conversing and huddling about it, the one tool they could not use was instant replay because this was not a reviewable play. What? Nope, you can't review that. Why not? We, we, we just saw it. This is a play where it's a difference between two runs on the board or not. In the end, the game was a three-run victory by Cleveland. But it just doesn't, it's beyond that. It was the game proceeded, the reality of the game proceeded after that in a manner as if two runs are now added to Cleveland that they should not have had. And the rest of the game, the balance, the direction of the game, every turn, every decision for what kind of pitch are we going to throw, every single strategy is reliant on this is the score of the game, which it should not have been. Why are plays that we see are as plain as day, why are they not reviewable? And don't say, well, because it will slow the game down. The game was slowed down by an umpire conference and people arguing. The game was brought to a screeching halt. Instead of, hey, we looked at it. It, it, it fouled. Oh, it did? Okay. All right. There you go. How long was that? Someone timed that. What was that? Ten seconds? Ten seconds. Instead, the umpire threw out the Astros manager. There was a this and the that and the other thing. It became the headline, and it became all that people talked about of this game between Cleveland and Houston was a wild pitch, scored two runs, should not have scored two runs, and there you go. So, I don't understand. Not a reviewable play? Why not? It, it gets the call right. The game is played properly. And it saves time. I guess we don't want to have that. Hey, uh, can I get a little bit of applause? A little bit of the praise of showing a little bit of restraint yesterday. The, the, the restraint that I, that I had was that I didn't go on and on about the fact that the Red Sox are in first place by themselves, which they are. They are one game ahead of your Toronto Blue Jays. I say your Toronto Blue Jays because I assume some of you are in Canada. But here we go. Now, the Red Sox have a one-game lead. As I'm recording this, they have a one-game lead on the Toronto Blue Jays and a two-game lead on the Baltimore Orioles. And as it stands right now, the Orioles and Blue Jays would play the wild card game. Uh, as it stands right now, uh, the Detroit Tigers would be one game out. And a handful of other teams are on the outside looking in three or four games out. One of those teams are the Yankees, who are playing very, very well. But let me just tell you something, my friends, in podcasting land. 
there are several things in life I do not want to see. There is not one molecule. There is not one atom. Hell, there is no electron spinning around a goddamn atom right now that exists that wants to see a Red Sox-Yankees wildcard game. No part of me wants to see that. None. There's a very specific thing I want to have happen. I want the Yankees out of the playoffs. The Yankees missed the playoffs in 2013 when the Red Sox won the World Series. Both teams missed the playoffs in 2014. The Yankees won the hosted the wild card game and it kind of spoiled one thing I'd like to have said is that the Red Sox have won the World Series more recently than the Yankees have made the postseason. Damn it, the Yankees were in the postseason. They didn't score a run. They forgot to show up. But alas, they did. Now, the Yankees have done a lot of things right this year. They got rid of some veteran contracts, flipped them for some younger players, brought up some younger players, started to turn the proverbial page. And we will eventually see the rivalry between the Red Sox and Yankees evolve with new cast members, with your Mookie Betzes and your Aaron Judges, with uh, Xander Bogarts and with the Didi Gregorius. There'll be all these new players, these new faces, the Aaron Sanchez's of the world alongside the Jackie Bradley Juniors. There'll be new players in the rivalry. I'm just not ready for the Yankees to be good again. I was having too much fun seeing them playing cards in October. Now, as it stands, the fact that they have to leapfrog a few teams makes me feel that they, you know what, they probably are not going to make They're probably going to just miss the playoffs by a few games. But I, I don't want to see that happen. It's too fast. I'm relishing the idea of a decade with no Yankee penance, which hasn't happened since Babe Ruth was sold by some team, I don't remember which, to the Yankees after the 1919 season. But the Red Sox are playing Toronto. In order to make it to mid-September with at least a share of first place, the Red Sox have to win one game. One. If they win two games, then they're going into mid-September, you know, the September 12th. With a one game, with a, a, a two game lead. And of course, if they sweep, they'll have a four game lead. If they get swept, they'll be behind by three. So it's a big series because these are the games. You know, this is the time, head to head with Toronto, these are the times that not only try men's souls to throw a little Tommy Payne at you, but also these are the series that when you go over a year at the end of the year, oh, remember that series against this, that series against that. I mean, a bunch of series between the Mets and the Nationals are what sunk the Washington's playoffs hopes. A, ser- a couple of series between Oakland and Anaheim in 2004 uh, torpedoed the hopes of Oakland. There's, I mean, there's specific years 
What happened with San Diego against San Francisco in 2010? What happened between the, the Red Sox and Tampa Bay in 2011? You can find specific years with some head-to-head series really were the difference between making the postseason and not. It's not absurd. Red Sox, Toronto in April. I bring up the fact that, you know what, they count just as much in April as they do in September, but there's a greater sense of urgency because if you lose those games in April, say, well, we'll make up for them later. There's no make up for them later. This is the equivalent that I'm someone who, you know, works in the video business, the whole we'll fix it in post mentality. Uh, I had a terrible boss. I don't mind saying, I'm not going to say his name, a terrible boss on a TV show that I worked on about, you know, it was about 15 years ago. And a hard, terrible boss. But he did say something that cracked me up was when one time an editor was, you know, and a producer were being flummoxed about a scene in the show. And so maybe it's something we can fix and post. And he said, fix it in post. This is post. You're in post. Well, I, I remember kind of laughing. Okay, you're a horrible individual, but uh, that cracked me up. But this is the time, head-to-head -head against Toronto. This is the time we're saying, okay, okay, it's go time. We're in. Let's light the proverbial candle. Because if we don't win now, these are the games that you just can't make up because you're running out of time, and you're running out, out of that head-to-head -head stuff. This is a big moment. And everyone seems to be wanting to see the Red Sox play, whether or not you're a Red Sox, whether you want to see them lose or win. But there's a lot of attention coming on them, especially because there have been a couple of crap years for the Sox. They've been all or nothing. Been all or nothing, my Red Sox. I bring something up I saw the other day. Uh, David Ortiz is doing his whole farewell tour. Um, fine, I don't really care. I mean, they gave the farewell tour to Rivera in 2013, and of course Rodriguez in 2014, and yeah, it got to be a bit much. I mean, and I'm sure for Yankee fans and for a lot of fans, this Ortiz tour is probably nauseating as well. But you know, we weren't inundated with the barrage of ads, too, that we got with Jeter. I mean, that was being treated as if it was, you know, we, we were removing the Declaration of Independence from, this, from the National Archives. It's like, God's sakes, all right, fine, but, you know, at least Ortiz is having a good year. He picked the right time to recycle. But, the, you know, one of the things that happens when you have a, a player doing this is they go from team to team, and the teams give their gifts. And I, I get it. And sometimes it's cute, and sometimes I'm sure they get a kick out of it. Oh, look at that. I got a nice picture of this, or I got a nice thing with that. Um, there was one year the Red Sox gave Jeter a, uh, like, the number two, I think it was. I think it was the Sox did this, or my, what was it, the Cubs from Wrigley. I don't remember. Gave him one of the handheld twos from the uh, scoreboard, from the ham-operated scoreboard. I thought that was kind of lazy. I mean, I suppose it's cool, but it's like, that really reminds me of a gift. You're like, oh, God, we forgot to get a gift. Well, well what's open? Try to it's just the 7-Eleven down the street. We'll go buy some crap there. You know, but 
fine, you know, I'm sure it's a sentimental thing. But I'm going to call out a team. I'm calling out the Padres. Every damn time someone retires, they go to San Diego, they're like, well, we here at the Padres are going to give you a surfboard. Really? Really? I don't have the stats in front of me. BaseballReference.com may be the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, but I don't think they have farewell gift stats. But am I wrong in thinking that every damn time someone retires or goes on one of these things, when you get to San Diego, you get a surfboard? First of all, I, I mean, I don't know. Is this, is this the wrong thing to say? Does David Ortiz surf? I mean, it's something, I mean, could you put some energy into it? Can you put some effort? Yeah, I know. It's San Diego. It's by the beach. You get it? Yeah, I got it. I got it, you numbskull. I figured it out. Okay? Wasn't exactly a tough mystery to solve. Didn't have to call Alfred Hitchcock and the three investigators to crack that one open encyclopedia, Brown. I got it. But it's also not original. It's, 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 it's turning into a, the fruitcake at Christmas time. He was like, oh, Christ, we're going to go to San Diego. We're going to have a surfboard. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to love looking at that, smiling, pretending I think it's funny, and uh, put it in my garage, I don't know, forever. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like the joke that everyone tells. That, you know, if, you know, there's sometimes you know someone who has a joke that they always tell, and every time they tell it, they, they think that they, it's really, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, you say that every day, okay? The, that's what she said from The Office. Or when Leslie Nielsen was making movies, he had this little uh, thing that he would hold that when he squeezes it, it sounds like someone farted. And he would just walk around and go, oh, did you do that? Which I'm sure the first time it was funny, but after a year, you're on a seven-week shoot, like, Leslie, Leslie, stop it. Well, that's me with the Padres. I get it. Be, be creative. You're San Diego. Let me put it this way. I've been to San Diego many times. I love San Diego. San Diego is one of those cities that if it all came out, and you said, hey, Sully, you have to move to San Diego. And my wife is like, okay, we're moving to San Diego. I'd say, do you know what? This ain't bad. We're moving to San Diego. Lovely city. Beautiful city. Walk around city. Fun city. I love going to San Diego. Here's something your pal Sully has never done. I have never surfed. So clearly, part of the draw of going to San Diego does not require surfing. How about getting them, it's in the gas lamp district, how about getting them a lamp? Huh? A nice big ass lamp. And I said, why are we going to give them a lamp? Why are you giving them a surfboard? I think gifts are always better when the person can actually use it. He's going to go back home with Tiffany to his house, turns on a light and said, hey, look at that. That's my effing lamp from the San Diego Padres. It's a nice lamp. And shaped like the gas lamp lights they have around the gas lamp districts. Hey, someone actually made some effort. Oh, hey! Do you want a huge 
product is of San Diego County? Avocados. Bring out a damn wheelbarrow of avocados or a lifetime supply of avocados or maybe buy them an avocado grove. I don't know. Put some thought into it. Think. Hey, it's a military town. It's a big military town. I don't know. Buy them battleship. Come up with something other than a eh, surfboard. Because it's not even funny. It's just lame. I remember once someone got me, and if I told this story, forgive me, I've done 1,400 of these. I may repeat myself. Someone once gave me a gift, and it was like, uh, it was something on my birthday. And I've gotten crap gifts before, and no doubt I've given crap gifts out. But this was one that was so weird. It was a bunch, it was a bunch of tapes of some old radio show. And I looked at it, and I couldn't even feign interest. I couldn't even, I was so bewildered by what I was looking at that I couldn't even reach within the depths of my soul to say, oh, that's great, thanks. I think I even said, what is this? And then I said, oh, yeah, thanks? I wish someone would do that. I wish someone would come out there the next time there's a big retirement party when they go to San Diego and they walk onto the field and there's Trevor Hoffman and there's, you know, whomever else it is, uh, 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 Dave Winfield, and say, oh, great, I hope you didn't get me a damn surfboard because that would suck. And they have to tuck away the surfboard behind him. Look, I know it's not the most important thing, but I take great pride in getting gifts. Get something that someone would want, you know, unless I'm wrong, and Big Poppy's a surfer. So go to MLBReports.com to check out the listings of who owns baseball. Go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, subscribe at iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 9th day of September, 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.